Welcome to the Giants Huddle. Get him in the huddle. Get him in the huddle. Get him in the huddle. A New York Giants podcast. I'm John Schmelk, and welcome to another episode of the Giants Huddle podcast. Training camp is right around the corner, so we're going to do a little bit of a special episode today and talk to two of the behind-the-scenes folks that make sure the players, coaches, facility, and fields are ready to go for the start of training camp. We'll be talking to Rob Davis, the Giants' head groundskeeper, and we'll be talking to Jackie Miles, the head equipment manager. But first, I want to remind you, if you're listening to this podcast on Giants.com or the Giants mobile app, we appreciate it. But go to your favorite podcast platform, subscribe, add us to your feed, put us on your favorites list. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, make sure you leave a positive review and a high rating, and that will help this podcast grow bigger and better than ever. We're going to start with Rob Davis, who's been with the Giants for more than a decade. He makes sure the fields are perfectly manicured when practice begins at the end of July. Rob, thanks for being with us. I know you're really, really busy. Why don't you give the fans an idea? We're having this conversation a little bit more than a week before the first practice. What's your focus right now in terms of trying to get these fields ready for when the guys show up? They have their first rookie practice on Tuesday, and then they have their first full team practice next Thursday. This is the Wednesday prior to that. So they've been off the field since the middle of June. Um, we do a lot of stuff right away when they finish up mini camp, including airification and top dressing, and then sort of let it rest for a couple weeks. Standard fertilizer, standard watering, stuff like that. This year appears to be a little bit unusual. If you see the forecast for the next couple of days, we've got some really high temperatures coming in. So it's going to be a little bit unusual this year. We just got to limp through the next couple of days. And then get back to our normal program of fertilizing, watering, and, and, and mowing, and painting, and striping, and getting it ready for Thursday is what we aim for. I know Tuesday the rookies will be here, but Thursday is our big day. So what would be a bigger impediment for you, rain or the 100-degree stuff we're going to get? What's worse? 100 degrees is much worse. Um, grass does not survive in the Northeast. Get down into Florida and Georgia and those areas. They like the high temperatures a little bit more. But in our northeast, we have a cool season type grass on these fields. It's Kentucky bluegrass. And <clears throat> it doesn't do very well in those temperatures. I'd rather have 85 degrees than 100 degrees. So Interesting. All right. Now just some logistics because this is stuff that I really don't know the answer to. When you guys paint the fields, how do you get the line straight? String line. So we'll lay a string line down and the paint machine will follow the string line. Um, that works good the first time. After that, we just follow the old paint line, and it does start to wander a little bit. Um, camp is a different beast because they're on it while well, they're going to be on it nine of the first ten days. Somebody's going to be out there practicing. Um, once you get into season, you know, you only got really three, three and a half days of practice during the season so that the paint has time to diminish a little bit so you can get another string light out there and get them straight so it does sort of wander a little bit and get wavy this time of year because we're just following the old paint line because we don't have the time to do it the way we need to do it during the season the one thing that's different about pat Shermer and both of us are here for tom coughlin and ben mcadoo they did not like to practice in the rain pat Shermer, when it rains he's okay if, you know if it's pouring we'll bring him inside but if there's a little bit of a drizzle or or light rain he's outside with these guys what kind of challenge is that is that going to make for you trying to keep these fields in the shape they are when these guys are chopping up a little bit when it's a little bit muddy out there. Yeah, so when it does get wet, it does chop up, as you say, and does wear a little bit more. And it's just you increase your intensity of fertilizer, you increase your intensity of overseeding, stuff like that. Now, they have three fields out there that are that, that are full grass. Three natural grass fields, yep. They rotate them. Is that so you can 
keep the fields kind of even and, and make sure they're all good? Correct. It's just for wear, just for play, just to make it last longer into the season. We rotate the fields, rotate the practices what's on the, the fields. What's the last thing you do before the guys go on there next Thursday and have their first practice? What's your finishing touches? We'll be mowing. Putting a mowing pattern in so you see the light and dark of every five yards. That'll be the last thing I do. And that's more visual than anything. That'll help the fans out. It just makes it look pretty. What? How do you get the different, the look of the different colors with the pattern? How does so that work? It's the direction of travel of the mower. So you'll look at the light pattern. Actually, you travel. Or you're, the mower would have traveled away from you, and the dark pattern the mower had, will have traveled towards you. And it just lays the grass blade over just a little bit, and then it lays back the opposite direction for the dark pass. And it's just the way the light reflects off the grass when it's laid over. Now, here at the Giants, nobody does just one job. No one does just one job, or at least most people don't. But <laughs> <laughs> during practice, you're running around doing a million different things, and it's not taking care of the field. Talk about your role once practice starts and what you're doing to help out the ball boys, the equipment guys, and, and everybody out there. Well, that really all started the first year I was here. My first year was 2009. First year of this building was 2009. Um, at the old Giants Stadium, the Giants did not have a full gr- full-time groundskeeper in place. The state of New Jersey really took care of their fields for them. So the first time I met Coach Coughlin, uh, I, I was brought up by the equipment staff, and they introduced me to him. And we asked the question, do you want me out there for practice? And his response was yes. Just in case something happens, I'd like you to be out there for practice. So that was, you know, obviously they still went to Albany for training camp that time of year. So they all went away, came back that first, the night before the first practice. I talked to the equipment staff. They said, yes, he wants you out there. But he's the type of guy that doesn't like people really standing around watching. Correct. So at the very least, just walk around and look busy. If a football's laying around, pick it up. If there's a bag, <laughs> just, just look busy. It'll make you, in his eyes, it'll make you look like a lot stronger employee. So I did that for the first week or two. Around about the third week, suddenly one of the equipment staff said, hey, um, what was his name? Coach Palmer needs help with the quarterbacks. Run over there and help him. Okay, I'll run over there and help him. And again, that was 10 years ago, and I've sort of worked with the quarterbacks ever since. What do you Just do with the quarterbacks? Fell into it. Catch balls for them. <laughs> I've run patterns for them. I've given them water, whatever they need. I just sort of am there for, for them. And then pre-practice, I see you out there with the forklift. You're kind of yeah. in charge also of setting up the field so all the equipment, the blocking pads and stuff are in the right place. How does that work logistically with you, the coaches, the equipment staff, to make sure everything has to be where it needs to be? So the coaches will have schedule of field rotation like we talked about. So we'll know the morning of which field you know the emphasis field is, which field the offense is on, which field the defense is on. Defense is on. So by the time we, I finish mowing, now you're about an hour and a half from the start of practice, two hours from the start of practice, and then we start moving the equipment out on the field. Like you said, we know offense is on field two, let's say, so all their stuff we know to move on to field two, and defense is on field three, we know. The other thing we have that's sort of unique in our environment is we don't have permanent goalposts. So at the start of every practice, we have to know where the goalpost has to go, and we have to carry it out with a forklift and set it in place. And you really can't leave that stuff on overnight or for days at a time because it'll just kill the grass where it sits. So we pull everything off at the end of practice and set it off to the side or on the turf field so it doesn't kill any of the grass. What's your day like at camp? Everyone's days are long at camp. It's just the way it goes. Uh, what's your day like? Like, What do you do to, to keep the fields going, and, and how do you mix that in with your schedule over the course of the day with the other responsibilities? Tough question. Um, camp's unique again because I know they're not two-a-days, but they will do a jog-through in the morning and then have a real practice in the afternoon. 
So you just sort of have to fill in where you can. If, you, if it has to be mowed, maybe you mow it from 6 o'clock in the morning you get here and start mowing then. Or if it's too wet or if it's raining the night before, maybe you wait till after the walkthrough and come out at 11 o'clock and mow it then. So it sort of depends on the weather a lot, and you just sort of fill in where you can. And then at the end of practice, break down the field, which takes about an hour, hour and a half, somewhere in there, and get dinner and go to the hotel and fall asleep. Start it all over again the next day. How is it different going from kind of coach to coach? And we've had a couple of different general managers here as well. Uh, how, how has your role changed since you got here? And I guess is what, your 11th season now yeah. coming up? Yeah, My 11th season. Um, I think it was great starting with Coach Coughlin. You know, everybody's heard how Coach Coughlin is very stern. But what a great guy. He appreciated what you did. He appreciated the hard work. Um, and he just didn't want any BS, if I can say that. Just give him a straight answer. If it was too wet to go outside, tell me it's too wet to go outside, and we'll go inside. No nonsense. And I've sort of carried that along of the next two coaches. Um, and it's worked out fairly well. I just, you know, try not to lie. Tell them the truth. Tell them as quickly as possible. They have enough on their mind worrying about game management and, and all the prepping for the week's games. And it just they just don't need to hear from me. So I tell it like it is. Give them my opinion and earn their trust pretty quickly. That I, I sort of know what I'm talking about out there. What do you enjoy the most? What what part of the day when you get to work? I, I can't wait till I can do this. Really, it's to be honest with you. It's sitting on a mower at seven o'clock in the morning, and nobody around you. And my headphones on, listening to a podcast or whatever, and all by myself, and just making knowing at the end of the two and a half hours of mowing that the field's going to look pretty darn good when you're all said and done. And you can go stand up on the roof of the main building and look down and say, take pictures and say, wow, for the middle of September, after having 15, 20 practices on it already, it looks pretty darn good. Now, you said you've caught a lot of passes from the quarterbacks that have been here. Who's thrown the easiest ball to catch? <laughs> Tough question. I don't know how to answer that. Who uh, threw the toughest ball to catch? How about that one? Uh, 100% without fail, David Carr. Why? Hard. <laughs> His ball, it, it, it made a noise when it was coming at you. Oh, that. Yeah, it sort of whistled. as it, He threw it so hard, it whistled at it coming at you. And the other one was, oh, I can't think of his name, Josh Johnson. Yeah, Josh Johnson. Hmm? Somehow he got a ton of spin on the ball. It would spin so fast coming at you. And I think he said that somebody actually tested it one time, and it was spun a lot faster than whatever else, what other quarterbacks he was throwing with. It spun a lot faster than anybody else. That's funny. <laughs> uh, fi- final question. I guess this will gonna kind of be the, 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 how we'll close it out. I know you go. I've seen you at road games, talking to other groundskeepers and stuff like that. What are some of the advancements that you know you've kind of come along with over the course of the last ten years doing this with the Giants, talking to people around the league? You know, teams have grass fields in indoor facilities now. The Cardinals have the one that they ro- rolls out on the pallet. You know, what are some of the cool things that have changed, and maybe what are some things on the horizon? Uh, in terms of what you do that that are coming down the road that maybe fans wouldn't even think about? Not really what I do, but the field in itself, the NFL has really stepped up and tried to, A, make the fields as safe as possible for the players, and B, try to get them more consistent. So you can have a Green Bay play the same in December as a Miami plays in September. Interesting. So the NFL is really working hard at normalizing field conditions, if you will, and making them, A, safe, and B, more consistent. Do you have to manicure the indoor practice yes. facility mm-hmm. with, with the tire mulch? Yes. What goes into that? It's really just a, a grooming procedure where you drag a pretty much a brush across it and just l- re-level the rubber back out. 
and then the then the rubber sort of sticks to the surface, so you have to knock that back down. You can either spray it with fabric softener or p- put a piece of carpet upside down and drag it with that. It's no more near near as much maintenance as indoors as the, as the outdoor grass fields, but there is maintenance that goes into it. Well, folks, if you show up at training camp, you see the big guy in the lawnmower, you see the big guy catching passes from quarterbacks, that's Rob Davis. Wave, say hello, and tell him what's up. He does a great job. He's one of the hardest workers in the building, and we really thank him for being with us today on the Huddle Podcast. Robbie, thanks a lot, man. Thanks, John. Appreciate it. Can't wait to see all the fans out there. And now we thank Rob Davis for his time, and we're going to turn to our second guest, and that is Jackie Miles, who runs the show down in the equipment room here for the New York Football Giants. There's no one you want to be better friends with than the guy that runs the equipment room. Trust me. And he's kind enough to give us a few minutes on the Giants Little Podcast. Jackie, I know you're really busy. We appreciate the time. No, it's my pleasure. All right, talk to me. What are you guys doing? We're have we're recording this interview uh, the Wednesday before the rookies show up, which is next Monday afternoon. So you're less than a week before the players are back. What are you doing right now? What's your priority? Well, the process starts right after the draft when we when we're up to 90 players and. Uh, we already have we we gather sta- uh, sizes, shoe sizes, head sizes. You know we fit everybody for equipment down through through the end of OTAs, and so over the summer we break out all the brand new clothes for the coaches and um, and for the players and shoes and hats and we get that all ready for them. You know we have lists and lists and lists of sizes, and um, you know, we mark them all with their names and put them in their lockers. And so when they show up on Monday, you know, they have all their new stuff for 2019. Now, you talk about the players. You know, are they going to put the pads on, the real pads, for the first time, mm-hmm. the second week or the end of the first week of training camp, give or take? How much have you done with the players in terms of getting their real pads ready to go for the we, season? Um, during OTAs and, and during the offseason OTAs, we, we got everybody fit for helmets and shoulder pads and and all their protective equipment is already intact. And then we just sat them down individually and asked their preference on shoes and gloves and sizes on clothes. So then, you know, we got them going all through OTAs. And then over the summer, we got them a new batch of everything to last them through uh, preseason. And, you know, the clothes will last them through the season. How much do players end up changing their minds? Because I'm sure you, you guys think you're set, right? You got good pads, you got the helmets, yeah. you're all good to go. How many last second adjustments do you get once the players put them on? They go out there for a practice, like eh, I'm not sure this is. I'm digging this. You know, you, you might have one a day on one item. Like it's it's pretty accurate now, and they're you know they've been using their helmets um, right for a couple months now. Their shoulder pads, you know, the guys from last year are using their uh, shoulder pads they used last year. And we checked them out once they got back from the reconditioner. And all the new guys, uh, all the rookies, you know, they'll they'll feel them out. And then, I, you know, it's not that it's not as bad as, as you would think. You might have guys changing a T-shirt size or something like that or, or a shoe style. But uh, other than that, it, you know, it's, it's pretty um, – it's always pretty accurate with the information they give us. I would think from the outside looking in that training camp's got to be the worst. You got the mm-hmm. most players here, you got the most practices, and you have games, and you're trying to manage all this stuff. You get to the regular season, it's it's one game a week, it's three practices, it's mm-hmm. only 53 guys, you know, the practice squad makes it up to 60, right? But in training camp, is that your toughest part of yeah, the year? Yeah, tra- training camps, it's a grind. And, you know, the season's a grind, but... Training camps like a double grind. You're you're working 16, 18 hours a day, seven days a week. You prepare for it. We we usually come back a week or two early before the staff gets back, and and then we we kind of 
you know, hump it through the summer. And then uh, when we hit training camp, it, it's routine, but it's a lot of preparation to get ready for it. And then it's a lot, a lot of, to stay on top of it all through preseason. And then after the last um, preseason game, you cut down to 53. So you have a weekend to kind of clean out lockers of the guys that, that uh, were waived. And then um, then you break out all the players' new clothes. So, you know, you do that after you get down your numbers. And then when they come back from their three- or four-day weekend, they have a new locker full of gear like the, like the coaches did and the staff did, you know, when they came to training camp. How do you work with the players? You know, they all have their own separate deals for shoes and mm-hmm. th- things of that nature. How do you work with them so though everyone makes sure they has exactly what they're supposed to have once they you get into yeah, training well, camp? Yeah, we, we bring them in, you know, two or three times during the off season, and then you know, and I work with Nike and Under Armour, and they they let me know who's under contract. Then I sit down with the player, and it, it's my job for the contract players. To, to when they're running low on a certain to get them the style they ask for and then when they're running low to replenish it and it's kind of a once a year process you know Nike will tell me who's and then we'll get the guys in that you know show them the new styles let them pick uh, we'll, we'll actually scan their feet to make sure we're giving them the correct style and correct size arch sizes stuff like that yeah well a lot, a lot of guys you know they they you know probably myself included you know your your shoe sizes sometimes it changes sometimes sure it you know the, the shoe style runs small or whatever so you, you you know a guy could be a 12 and a half tell you he's a 12 and a half but actually wear a size 13 well now the nfl has a program and a uh, you know we're required to measure their feet and then it, the, it, it's um it's kind of a computer program that will tell you this is how the shoe runs if the guy takes a 12 and a half in this particular style he has to wear a 13 so, you know, there's there's more to it than asking a guy's shoe size and what position he plays. But, you know, the shoes are based on uh, what position, their weights, and, you know, their width of their foot and the length of their foot. So you know, there's a lot more goes into it. But it, it's kind of the equipment manager's job to kind of educate the guy and give him the best possible fit for all the protective equipment, shoulder pads, helmets. Now, this is your second year, Jackie, with the Giants. Yes. How long have you been doing this in general uh, i i believe this is my 42nd season wow. maybe yeah i've been a full-time head equipment guy at 17 years old and uh worked at seven different places and, and i've been in the nfl i was with the carolina panthers for 24 seasons and way back when i was with the philadelphia eagles for two seasons and you know then i had three we'll keep that part quiet it's yeah okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's kind of <laughs> My boys from Philly don't like me as much as they did when I when I worked sure. for the Carolina Panthers. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's talk about some of the other stuff you guys do, and I don't think a lot of people realize this, but you know, I, I, I'm out there at practice, and yeah, your guys are worried about getting stuff set up. I, I see your guys running around, doing stuff with the players during walkthrough. Mm-hmm. You're, yeah. you're making sure the equipment needs to be where it's going to be. Take me through a, a typical day for you at, at training camp and a typical practice. How early are you and your guys out there on the practice field, and what do you do and uh, to help practice run smoothly. Well, my my guys get out there early, like an hour or so before practice, and they set up the field. And you know, there's there's about five or six guys, and uh, then me and my assistant Tim Sleeman, we'll stay in and kind of get the players out out of the locker room. And you know, they're going to come in last minute, and need some for practice, and and then Tim will go out to the field, and uh, you know, he'll go to the quarterbacks, and he kind of runs 
the practice, but they all come in, Rob Davis, Tim, um, you know, Kyle Lynch, uh, Terry Mansfield, Harrison Eisen, you know, we sit around the table and it's more so them and they, you know, Timmy and them, they map out the practice plan and then they get out early, they set it up, and we all have our different positions. And so I'll even go with the linebackers and help them out during the individual drills just to kind of be a help to the coach while he's trying to teach them. After individual, you know, we kind of go into like team drills, and that's when my guys will be spotting the footballs and holding the down markers. And so it's it's part of the, the operation where, you know, you get out there and you just – help the coaches kind of run practice, uh, but it's more Timmy running practice, more you have an outside guy and an inside guy, and I'm more the inside guy, Timmy's more the outside guy, but we definitely help each other out in both areas. Speaking of Tim, is he the best snapper in the building? Oh, yeah, yeah. He, apparently he's been doing it for a long time, too. <laughs> he has been, and Tim Slayman, by the way, if you see during seven-on-sevens and stuff, folks, the guy that's snapping the ball to the quarterbacks, mm. that would be his assistant, uh, Tim Slayman. What do you enjoy most about the job after all these years? What's the most fun for you? Uh, game day. Uh, you know, I think we all work through training camp. I think we all work during the week to get to game day. And game days, you know, when the intensity levels up and the adrenaline's going, and uh, you know, you just want to make your team as comfortable as possible from an equipment standpoint, so they can concentrate on winning us football games. And and uh, you know, same with the coaches. We want to kind of we're in the service industry. We want to kind of cater to everybody so they can kind of have one less thing to worry about and concentrate on what they need to do and, and, and win those football games. I was talking to Rob Davis about this. Coach Shermer, I don't know about the coaches you've worked for previously, he's not afraid to stay outside on the practice when it starts raining. Does yeah. that put a little bit of pressure on you guys to make sure everyone's got what they need to have so uh, they keep was, their footing? One of, the, one of the first things I noticed, I came in Memorial Day weekend, and that was last year. You know, I, I spent the whole weekend in here by myself, and I noticed the you know, nobody had ring gear in their locker. And I was, you know, it's kind of so when, when Timmy and them got back, I said, guys, why do you not issue ring gear for, for, they said, well, you know, for rains, we go inside. And I just thought to myself, well, you got a new coach. I don't know if, you know, <laughs> so I immediately dug and dug and tried and found ring gear and ordered some just in case. Hey, good thing. Yeah. And, uh, and sure enough, coach, <laughs> coach, uh, but I, you know, I'm, I'm with the Carolina Panthers. We never had an indoor facility, so I was. Oh, really? Yeah, it was. It was automatic, you know, to go out and practice in the rain. Without dropping any names, I don't want you to get people into trouble. What were some of the funniest player, either superstitions or intricate details that they needed, either with their practice uniform or their game day uniform, that you've had to make sure you delivered over the years? Uh, you know, over the years, you know, guys are they're they're good. Good guys. Of course. They're all, they, they have their little idiosyncrasies and all that. But uh, just right off the top of my head, I mean, I, I've had players that just insist on, like, skin-tight jerseys that they could barely breathe in. But, you know, um, and then you have, um, you know, you, they, guys like, they, you know, their shoes, they like to, they, they want their shoes to match. So if we're wearing blue uniforms, they want blue shoes. We're wearing white and, and it's funny. It's like I'm, I'm worried about traction. I'm worried about fit. I'm not worried about color. But <laughs> sometimes, you know, these these guys will go to great lengths to to make sure they they'll even go up a size or down size if you don't have the color they're asking for. Seriously? Yeah, I've seen that. And, <laughs> and you don't really want to, you know. It's you, all about the swag, Jackie. You didn't hear? Oh no, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They can be a. 
you know, not so much here as, you know, other places I've been. And the guys here, you know, if you recommend this kind of shoe, they don't care what color it is. Now, I've never been with another organization, so mm. I like asking people that have been in multiple organizations, mm. what's different about the Giants? Oh, the tradition's like no other. Um, it's been around for almost 100 years, so the growing pains are gone. We've probably <laughs> been gone for 70 years, you know, where being, being you know, being with Carolina, it, it's a wonderful organization, but I was there from the start of the franchise, and, and there were growing pains, and, and um, it's very normal, you know, and but I went through all those growing pains. We're here. Those growing pains were pretty much, you know, ironed out years ago. Were you there at the start in Carolina when you built everything from scratch? Yeah, I was one of the first people they hired once they got the franchise. What was that like? It, it was, you know, I was a quit manager at Boston College for Tom Coughlin, you know, the old Giants coach. And uh, it was, you know, I went I went to the Carolina Panthers and Tom and all the staff from uh, Boston College went to Jacksonville Jaguars. And we kind of came in together. So we had like a rivalry going going on between me and them and it it was fun but just to start a nfl franchise from scratch and and build it you know to we we had a good 16 months you know before we played our first game to to get all the equipment designed and ordered and purchased and uh distribute it and it was it was neat i got to design the locker room and at Bank of America Stadium down there, and the uniform I was involved heavily with designing that, and uh, it was I was only 33 years old, and it was like a dream come true. It's just a neat experience to be on the ground floor. And I know you're not going to be able to answer it, but if, if I don't ask it, the fans will come after me. So <laughs> feel free to say no comment. But should Giant fans be ex- expecting any other uniform changes, pants, jerseys, anything like that down the road? Uh, I, not this year. I, I uh, that's that's. Yeah, you know, that's totally not my call, but uh this th- year we're sticking with the same combinations we Yes, had. yes. And I, I see the tradition here and I, I I I love the tradition. I I don't want to change, but you know, if, if I'm told to I will. I mm. feel like there was really good reaction to the color rush jerseys, the old school white with the white pants. Did the players seem to like those too? Yes, yes. I actually like that myself. That was kinda a very classy look and uh you know, it's it's uh We'll wear it. We'll wear it again this year. What reaction did you get for blue jersey, gray pants versus blue jersey, white pants, which was kind of like the old look? Well, I, I, when I came in, I was under impression it was just blue jerseys, white pants, and I didn't realize that they had worn gray pants with, I guess, against Dallas when they play in Dallas. Um, so that was the only time last year I think we wore them with our blue jerseys. But uh, I, I didn't hear any any reaction whatsoever. But I don't mind switching it up occasionally. Jackie, great stuff. Um, Best of luck. I know you're really, really busy. Thank you for taking the time. No, it's my pleasure. Good luck in training camp. Fans, if you're a training camp, you look for the guy. He's always wearing the baseball cap. Mm -hmm. Standing on the sideline watching practice. That's Jackie. Say hi. Appreciate it, Jackie. Good times. Thank you. You guys take care now. That's Jackie Miles. We thank him for joining us, the Giants head equipment manager. And we thank Rob Davis as well, the Giants head groundskeeper, for joining us on the Giants Huddle Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Again, a quick reminder, if you're on the Giants mobile app or Giants.com, that's great. Thanks for being with us. But it's easier for you, better for us. Go to your favorite podcast platform, subscribe, add us to your favorites. If you're on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, leave a positive review, and that will help us out a whole lot. That's today's episode of the Giants Settle Podcast. We thank Jackie Miles and Rob Davis again. I'm John Schmelk. We'll see you next time, everybody. Adios.